The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. I was having a conversation with a friend recently, and we began to talk about unlearning. Being from the South, there are a lot of beliefs and ways of being I picked up. I've said this before, but I'm at the uncomfortable place in my life where I am radically unlearning things that I taught myself, believed, and accepted as fact when I was a child. But let me be clear, unlearning is not about forgetting. It's about having the ability to recognize old thought processes that no longer serve you and choosing to redirect yourself and go an alternative route mentally. Before we get into this episode, I want to let you guys know that we have a Twitter. The Affirmations for Black Girls podcast now has a Twitter, so make sure you go and follow us. Go to www.twitter.com and type in AFBG underscore podcast. That is the acronym for Affirmations for Black Girls underscore podcast. What is going on, beautiful people? You are listening to the Affirmations for Black Girls podcast, where we focus on personal growth and cultivating a healthy relationship with ourselves. I'm your host, Tyra the Creative, actress, content creator, and mental health enthusiast. And let's chat. Unlearning has been a huge subject in my life in recent years, and I have just gotten to the point where I am comfortable with being uncomfortable in this space of unlearning. And with that being said, this week's affirmation is, unlearning old habits and ways of being that no longer serve me gives way to radical growth and prosperity. Let's drop in together, guys. Unlearning old habits and ways of being that no longer serve me gives way to radical growth and prosperity. Unlearning old habits and ways of being that no longer serve me gives way to radical growth and prosperity. Unlearning old habits and old ways of being that no longer serve me gives way to radical growth and prosperity. I know this is a long one, but let's try to say it together. Unlearning old habits and ways of being that no longer serve me gives way to radical growth and prosperity. Now let's truly internalize it, visualize it, and believe that it is true. Unlearning old habits and ways of being that no longer serve me gives way to radical growth and prosperity. That is such a great affirmation and I am truly feeling each and every word of it. 
Happy National Mental Health Awareness Month, y'all. I am so excited to be here with y'all. It's currently Tuesday. I know I'm normally posting on Sundays, but this weekend, I just really wanted to reflect on what I wanted to talk about. So I'm super glad that I realized that this is what I wanted to talk about for the week. So I began to think about who I once was and how I have taken my mental health more seriously since 2019. That's actually when I started going to therapy. So today we're going to be talking about a few things that I've written down here that I have unlearned and I'm in the process of unlearning and living in that new reality where I don't take these beliefs as 100% fact. So early on during the pandemic, I was um, talking to my therapist one day and we were just having a casual conversation and I was just telling her how I'm in the process of unlearning things and redefining different beliefs in my life. And for me, it's been so mind blowing. And specifically the example that we were talking about on the phone that day was the simple fact that as a child, you have a set routine and a set schedule. Monday through Friday, you wake up early, you go to school, you're at school till about 2.40, 3 o'clock. You may have practice after that. You go home, you eat dinner, do homework, go to bed, wake up early and do it all over again. And especially being from where I'm from, a small country town, there weren't really other things that you could do in town during the week anyway. So it made it easy for me not to even creatively think about things that could possibly go on during the week. The weekend was time for fun and the week was literally your work week. And I even reflected on that and I realized that that specific schedule is passed down from the industrial age of the United States. We Schools were literally made to prepare us for work to prepare us to work in factories, to prepare us to work for the country. You know what I'm saying? So even knowing that bit of information is mind blowing to me because let's just say even to this day or not to this day, but to the point where I had this conversation with my therapist back in 2020, I would say, Kim, it is so hard for me to go out and do something fun during the week. In the back of my mind, I feel a little bit uncomfortable, a little afraid, like this work week, girl, you can do that stuff on a weekend. But what I've been doing is trying to unlearn that that is fact because it's not fact. First and foremost, I've been telling myself that, okay, whenever you feel this way, Tyra, where you want to go and like do something during the week, but you have this hesitancy or these reservations, go ahead and do it. Do it now. And I even got to the point now and fast forward to 2020 Tyra and I make sure that I do things during the week and I even got so radical as to okay you're going to have fun during the week and on the weekends you're going to sit at home just so I could experience the complete and total opposite of what my life had been for so many years. So nowadays since I have unlearned this schedule of work week versus playtime. I go to the grocery store during the week, which I 
I would never do. I go to the grocery store at 11 a.m. on a Tuesday, y'all, and I, or even the mall, like I run errands. In terms of things that you normally do on the weekends, you know, when you're little, you go to the grocery store on the weekend with your mama and daddy to get groceries for the week. And granted, this is during a time where, you know, your parents actually work during the week. So obviously you guys are all busy. So you have to do certain things on a weekend, but I don't live that kind of lifestyle. And I was still treating myself as if I did. I'm a full-time freelancer. I work from home. I can work on my own schedule. I build my own schedule. I I schedule my own clients for everything that I do. So I have a little more flexibility there and I need to take full advantage of that because for me, it was very limiting. So what I said to myself was, okay, you want to go to the mall? Go to the mall on Tuesday morning at 11 a.m. and get what you want to get from the mall. And then on the weekends, stay at home, watch a movie. Um, I still don't work on the weekends necessarily. But if I do have a day where, you know, I have work on the weekends, I'll definitely get it done. But I make sure that my weekends are my rest days. And I think that's honestly what the weekend is supposed to be, your rest day. It's not a time for running errands. And that's the the hard truth about like living a lifestyle where you're working on a five and you do have kids and you have all these responsibilities. You do save everything that you want to do for the weekend. But y'all, you cannot cram everything you want to do in the weekend. You can't do chores around the house, run all the errands, rest, spend time with family. Two days is not enough time to do all of that. And I think that a lot of people are in this, this state of, okay, I work, 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 weekend. I got two days to do all of this stuff. And I really think by spreading it out through the week, you give yourself more freedom, more flexibility, and you overall live a more healthy life. So I really think this was honestly the turning point for me to realize that I need to unlearn certain things because at the end of the day, it's actually holding me back. Growing up, Black voices in media, though hard to come by, were my compass. Here at AFBG, Black representation is the very heartbeat of what we do. Representation isn't just about visibility, it's about carving out a space where Black stories can thrive and resonate. That's why Affirmations for Black Girls exists, a podcast that echoes that sentiment. From trailblazers like Lena Horne shattering boundaries in music and film to women such as Hattie McDaniel, Eartha Kitt, and Ruby Dee, who showed that Black women are powerful and fully capable of commanding any stage, any screen, anywhere. Their courage and resilience paved the way for generations of Black women, including me, to live out their dreams. And now, NPR brings you the next generation of influential Black voices in their new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, each told from a unique Black perspective that is as nuanced as the Black experience itself. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there is no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. I recently listened to the episode Tracy Ellis Ross is an Icon and Our Favorite Rich Auntie, where Tracy tackles storytelling through the guise of raising awareness about the lives of real people. Her dedication to fighting for representation for Black women is authentic and true. 
I commend NPR for this commitment to uplifting Black voices. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in America's story, but now they are the story because stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Now, I honestly didn't mean to go off on a whole tangent about that specific instance, but I do have one, two, three, four. I have four different topics that I want to hit on, on things that I am personally unlearning and just talking with my friends, they are also unlearning these types of things. But the first one is very, very specific to me. And for the longest time, I believed that I had anger issues. And this definitely stemmed from my childhood, my home life, and just being an emotional child as I should have been. You know, I was very expressive. I didn't really know necessarily how to express, but I was expressing something. And I remember one day my mom came into my room and she gave me two workbooks and they were both for kids with anger issues. I never had a conversation with her about anger issues or, you know, we didn't do the workbooks together. She just gave them to me. And in my head, I was like, oh, this is why. I have such strong emotions. I have anger issues. And I just took that on as fact because we always have to categorize things. And I'm very much so a person that needs to put everything in a category in order for it to make sense in my brain. So I really believe this literally forever up until recently, honestly, because I brought it up to my therapist. So the reason that I'm unlearning this specifically is because number one, I don't have anger issues. Number two, Being in the household that I was in, it wasn't necessarily the most welcoming for emotion. There was really no space, no safe space for really any of us, my mom, my dad, my brother, or me, the four of us, to express ourselves in a vulnerable way and to a point where it wouldn't, or to a point where the person that we are expressing to would not take it personally. And I don't fault my parents for, you know, any of this because they honestly did the best that they could with what they were given. But long story short, from those situations and my mom giving me these workbooks that I, you know, eventually I worked through half of it. And, you know, I'm a child. There was no supervision of me doing these books either, either way. So I just did it on my own and I did about half the books and I left it at that. And I just said, okay, well, I got anger issues and that is what it's going to be. But today I have unlearned that because I realized when I would talk to people about why I am the way I am back in the day or like, you know, a couple of years ago and prior to, I would say, well, I've had anger issues since I was a child. My mom gave me these books and that's when I realized that I had it, you know, just trying to make sense of it. And I realized that telling people these things, especially when it's not even truth, causes them to have a perception of you that you cannot necessarily change. So I know in my previous relationship, um, when I first met him, he asked me like, what is something that um, you don't want me to know or something that you don't say to people or something like that. And I said, well, I have anger issues and I've had them since I was a child. And reflecting on that, I realized, and we had a conversation about this before we um, broke up and stuff, but 
I realized that he had this preconceived notion and this idea of me based on his beliefs about anger issues and what he believed was the way to respond to people who had anger issues and all of that. I realized that those thoughts that he had because of this affected our relationship. And for me, when I said, oh, I have anger issues, it was just like, oh, same way for me as saying like, I like to eat ice cream. You know, it was very frivolous to me. That's the way I felt about it personally. But I realized through different instances that because I had said this to him, it affected the way he navigated our relationship. So we were actually able to dive into that a little bit and he apologized and, you know, all of that because there would be situations where he would bring up the fact that I said this and make the situation worse, honestly, to put it plainly. Um, so I think it's very important to make sure that you are right with you and you truly know what is going on in your body. And granted, I was a child. So obviously, I think that my parents know everything and that, you know, they say the right things to me. But that was not the case for me. I did not have anger issues. And it's also not something that I'm ever going to say again, because I was just a very expressive child who didn't have any guidance on how to express my emotions in a healthy way. And I have unlearned that because now I'm in therapy. Now I know healthy communication skills. Now I have a toolkit when I am triggered. I know different techniques to use when I am angry and frustrated because everyone gets angry and frustrated. And I know that anger issues are not a part of who I am. So the second thing that I am unlearning and have unlearned, and I, I like to say that I'm still in the process of unlearning because there are still times where I am hesitant to change an action or a habit that I've had for so long. So the second thing that I'm unlearning is the belief of making do with what you have. Now, what I've realized about me, y'all, is that I'm a very extreme person. I'm a very black and white person when it comes to thought processes and beliefs. Like the gray area just does not make sense for me. And that's okay. So what I mean by make do of what you have is literally, I was born in a very small town and I went to lower school, elementary school, middle school, high school with the same people. And if I go back home today, most people that I went to school with are still living in my hometown. And what I got from this entire, you know, belief of making do of what you have is that okay, I was dealt this deck of cards. This is my life. Like this is all my life is going to be. And I have to be okay with that. And the problem with me believing this is that first of all, nobody actually said that to me. It was just something that I picked up based on observing my family members, observing my surroundings and placing it in a category in my head and putting myself in this situation and just trying to figure out my place in the world. And the problem that I had with this is that it gave me a lack mindset. I didn't necessarily think about moving 
to Los Angeles like I live now. I even lived on the East Coast. Never crossed my mind. Going to college, honestly, I didn't want to go to college until the end of my junior year into my senior year. That's when I said, okay, you know what? I may give college a try. And it's all because of my environment. And the turning point for me when I began to unlearn this lack mindset of closed mindedness and, you know, just making do with what you have instead of being creative and thinking outside of the box is I was in, I think, fourth grade by this time when I finally realized that this is not all to life. I went to a church lock-in and it was hosted by the first lady of my church, which is um, Faith, Hope, and Love Fellowship Center. And actually her name is Robin Hardy. She passed away due to COVID in early 2020. So I also said that every chance I get, I would celebrate her because she played a very, 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 very pivotal role in my life and my ability to dream. In 2004, we had a church lock-in, girls only. We If you don't know what a lock-in is, it's when you go to church and you do activities and you learn about God um, and you just fellowship with other people in Christ and you spend the night at the church. It's mainly for kids, you know, think vacation or Bible school, but like a sleepover. Um, so at this lock-in, we created something called <laughs> a dream book. And y'all, I keep my dream book with me everywhere I go. It's literally in my cabinet right next to me as I'm filming this right now. And when we sat down at the table and she started explaining to us what a dream was and, you know, all of this stuff, I was thinking in my head, oh, I have dreams all the time. Last night, I dreamed about a giraffe in a bathtub, which honestly, that is true. That was a recurring dream for me. But I didn't realize that a dream wasn't just something that your brain created while you were asleep. It was something that you could aspire to, a goal that you have created for yourself and plan to accomplish, plan to reach. And so we sat down at this table while she explained what a dream was and we went around and asked what our dreams were. And I'm glad I was one of the last people to go. So I had time to think about it, but I realized that everybody had all of these dreams and they were just rattling them off. And when she got to me or when I was like two people away, my heart was beating so fast. Cause I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what my dream is. I'm just here. I'm just living in this small town and I'm just gonna, you know, maybe get a job at who knows where and live my life, get married, have kids and be a mom. So I said, Tyra, what would you like to do in your life? And I don't remember my exact answer. I just really remember up until that point, I was very nervous to say anything out of my mouth about what I dreamed. And my biggest takeaway from this lock-in is that you can dream. If you can dream it, you can achieve it. And you are entitled to dream in the first place. And it's not something that you necessarily need to know that you can do, but you have to have faith through your talents, 
through your faith in God, through your hard work and determination that it will happen. So we sat at this table and it got around to me and I said whatever I said, because I, I don't remember, I probably said that I want to be um, a marine biologist at the time. I really, really wanted to be a marine biologist. Um, I thought it was interesting. So I probably said that. But after we did that, we actually created vision boards. And I didn't know what a vision board was at the time, but we created this binder and she had she had it laid out in sections. We had dream house, dream job, dream family, um, dream wedding. And it was a very, very small book that we cut out of newspapers and we glued to the page what our dream house and all that stuff would look like. And I took that and ran with it. And my dream book is busting at the seams, you guys. So if you have ever been in a place where you don't necessarily know if your dreams can come true, create a dream book. And if you do decide to create a dream book, I just want you to take a moment to think about the first lady of my church who was the person who ignited the fire in me to dream, Miss Robin Hardy. This next belief that I am unlearning and have unlearned, I think I've mainly unlearned this one, but it definitely takes a lot to stay in this state of unlearned. I don't think unlearned is a word, <laughs> but it is that the belief that fear means to stay put. <sighs> Y'all, I'm at this weird age where literally I'm just, it's just so mind blowing how, how much of an impact my home life and, you know, growing up has on who I am as a person. And, you know, we know this, but actually reflecting and thinking about all of the instances and experiences in your life and then saying, oh, this is why this is the way it is. Wow, it makes so much sense is so mind blowing to me. So fear means stay put. I'm from a very small country town, also a member of the black community. We do not travel a lot at all. Um, I don't know the statistics, but I know that a lot of black people do not have their passport and my mom doesn't have hers. My grandparents, none of them have theirs. Uh, my dad did. He was in the military, but he doesn't plan on leaving the country ever again. I've asked him. Um, so it was this unconscious fear placed in me to never go anywhere. Even for summer vacation, when I think about being in middle school, when we would take our summer vacation, it would be a drive, a road trip to Lafayette, Louisiana. Y'all, I lived in St. Francisville and I thought this was like amazing, which, you know, it was a great experience. And I'm glad that my parents were able to give my brother these experiences, give my brother and I these experiences. But when I think about it in the grand scheme now, I'm like, wow, I was so excited to just go two hours away from home. And for me, that was my realm. I never thought about going anywhere else until my senior year when I finally traveled for the first time. And I realized just how much fear 
was in in my mom. And I, you know, I'm a child at this point. I'm still in high school. And let me just tell you the story. So for my senior trip in high school, my theater teacher wanted us to go to New York. I was 100% for it. Um, Actually, that's not even the first instance. Let me back up. My ninth grade year, my first year in high school, um, there was our world geography teacher, Miss Means. She always hosted these trips with EF tours to Europe. Now, a couple of my friends really wanted to go on this trip. And I was terrified. I was like, oh my God, flying to Europe? Like what? Europe? That's like so far away. That's on another planet in my head. But long story short, my friends end up getting their deposits and signing up. And then I I asked my mom if I could go. No. And no means no. And that's it. I asked a couple of times. I said, well, I can pay for it. Y'all, I sold candy in school and all this kind of stuff. So the money wasn't an issue. I could have paid for the trip myself. She did not want me to go to Europe with my peers and my school teacher. And you may be thinking, well, why didn't she go with you? Because she was also terrified to go. She did not want to fly. So that's a common example of how fears are passed down from generation to generation, just simple experiences like that. So I ended up not going on that trip. My friends had an amazing time and I really had a lot of FOMO about it. And I was like, I'm going to go to Europe one day. It took me till 2019 to go, but I went to Europe. I went to Italy for my 25th birthday and it was absolutely life-changing but my very first time actually traveling outside of Louisiana without my parents and being able to open my eyes to different cultures and experience what else America, the United States of America had to offer was my senior trip. My mama didn't want to let me go. I said, I'm going to pay for this trip. You know, people that we're going with, like, I'm about to graduate now. Like, let me go on this trip. So she let me go. And it was one of the best experiences of my life. I saw Wicked on Broadway. Um, I just, I went to New York for the first time and I just absolutely loved it. And I said, I'm going to move here one day. That was the day that I, that the dream was placed in me to move to New York City. Now, I didn't actually make it to New York City. I moved right across the um, the water to New Jersey, and I eventually realized that that wasn't the place that I wanted to be, but I did live over there for two and a half years. Absolutely loved it. Spent a lot of time in New York City, and I love to go and visit, but I eventually ended up here in Los Angeles. But honestly, I will say there was so much hesitation for me with the trip to New York. Like that was the first time I had ever flown. That was the first time I was like going on a trip without my parents. Going to Italy, that was the first time I had flown over a body of water and been on a plane for eight hours. So I was very fearful. I was very afraid, but I was brave. And that is how I was able to unlearn that fear means stay put. No, fear means that you need to be brave. If you have, if you are fearful of a situation, for me, I've retrained my brain to say, okay, if this makes me afraid, then I definitely have to do it within reason, y'all. Not like I'm about to go and walk a tightrope over the Grand Canyon and not be secured to nothing. But I mean, in situations where like flying, 
I'm going to fly. People fly every day. I try to level with myself and say, Tyra, why are you actually afraid to do this? Is it just because you're, you're afraid or is it really dangerous? And if it's not really dangerous, then I need to learn how to take a risk. And that is a truth that I personally want to live by. And the last overall state of being that I have unlearned is just being closed-minded. And I think this is very prominent in the community that I grew up in, small country town. You already know, I keep saying that. But I truly had a culture shock, not going to college because I went to college in Louisiana, North Louisiana to be exact. But I ended up doing the National Student Exchange Program. And I got to go to school in Wayne, New Jersey to a school called William Patterson University for one semester. Literally the best experience of my life, even thinking about it, or of my, you know, collegiate career. And I say this because I had a huge culture shock. I had so many firsts living there. I got to I got to see the New York skyline when I woke up every morning. I got to go see shows on Broadway and truly envision myself being a full-time working actor. I got to experience different cultures just on a day-to-day basis, people speaking different languages. And I'm not just talking Spanish and English because in Louisiana, that's really all you got. You got people speaking Spanish and you got people speaking English. But I met so many people in the diaspora and so many Caribbeans and like just it was just so mind blowing to me. And I ate a lot of their food like there was different restaurants that I can go and eat at and really thoroughly immerse myself in different cultures in this place. And it just wowed me. I even took an African. African-American studies class. Y'all, we would have not been able to do that in Louisiana. They don't have African-American studies. I got to perform for um, Black History Month. I got to do like really, really blackity black things. And being from a place like Louisiana, where racism is still very, very, very prominent, I am so grateful to have had that experience because that experience and that experience alone, I think shifted me and said, wow, I have been closed-minded. I've been a closed-minded fee (laughs) for my entire life, and I don't want to be there no more. Because when I first got there, I was so uncomfortable because people were speaking different African languages and Caribbean languages, and they were talking about, (laughs) y'all, beef patties, and I don't know. Like, you know, I was very ignorant to all of this. So I was like, what is going on? I thought you were just black. Like, I just, I don't know. I'm uncomfortable because I don't know what's going on. And I sat in that uncomfortability and I really just said, wow, like I've gotten to meet so many amazing people from different areas of the world. I even met this girl from Jordan, the country Jordan, and she lives there now. She's a food blogger. It's honestly amazing. The experience I had there, it really opened my eyes and taught me that I can go anywhere and do anything that I want to do with my life. It just reinforced that first little seed that uh, First Lady Robin planted in me back in 2004. And for that, I am forever grateful. So how do you unlearn something? 
Like, what are the steps? Now, I honestly just typed this into Google and this is what just popped up. It's a blog.logicearth.com and I really like what it had to say. So first, to unlearn any skill or knowledge you have. Number one, foster a sense of willingness. And oh, that is, y'all, that is so true. That just hit it for me. You have to be willing to unlearn. You have to be open-minded. So the first the first step is you can't be closed-minded because closed-minded me closed-mindedness means you are shut off from anything that is unfamiliar. Second, you need to pursue the unfamiliar. And this is very 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 uncomfortable, but it is a pivotal step in unlearning anything that is not serving you. Number 3, change the location. I absolutely love that because for me, changing my location definitely helped me to unlearn being closed-minded in particular. Four, learn from your opposite. You ha- Again, you have to be open-minded. You have to listen with an open heart. You have to be observant and you have to really pay attention to what other people who don't quite live the same as you are doing. Number five, Foster curiosity, remain curious about what else is out there in the world, because at the end of the day, one thing I hope we can all agree on is that everybody don't live life the same way. There are so many different life paths that you can take. There are so many different beliefs, um, so many different ways of being, so many different perspectives that you can have on the same situation. Number six Set goals and make success clear. What are your dreams? What are your aspirations? What are your specific goals for this thing that you are trying to unlearn? Um, And one thing that I want to add to this, I'm not going to go through their whole list, but the last thing that I want to say is reflect and acknowledge your feelings. When I feel uncomfortable, hesitant, or fearful of doing something, I have to check myself. Tyra, why do you feel these ways? Is it because you should feel these ways? Or is it because it's something new, some uncharted territory, things that you're just unfamiliar with? Or is it truly something that you don't want to engage with in your life? You have to know the difference between all of that in order to unlearn things that no longer serve you to give way to prosperity and growth. All right, you guys, you know what time it is. It is time for our fun closing segment. And today, this one is very, very fun since we've talked about some really deep things and we've spent time reflecting on things that we need to unlearn. We're gonna play this or that. Now, I actually got this idea from this show called The Real with Jeannie Mai, Adrian Houghton, um, Lonnie, and Garcelle, right? But let's just play a nice little fun game. So the first one is, would you rather have a nice car or a nice home interior? First of all, nice home interior. Why would I want a nice a nice car before I have a nice home? First of all, my mama said... <laughs> that you cannot have a nice car if you don't have a pot to piss in. And that literally means if you don't have a house, why you got a nice car? So I always think that home comes first and definitely interior because your girl loves a nice home interior. 
Most important in a partner, intelligent or funny? Now, this one is actually a trick question because I personally believe you have to be intelligent to be funny or maybe you have to be intelligent to be like witty. And I like witty funny. So I would say definitely most intelligent. I mean, most important for me would be intelligence over funny but I don't want to date anybody that's like intelligent but not funny like somebody that's dry so let's go with intelligent at the movies candy or popcorn first of all I'm not going to the concession stand baby I'm stuffing my pockets with candy and stuff from home one time fun fact y'all I actually so I used to go to the movies every Tuesday y'all remember movie pass movie pass if you don't know what movie pass was MoviePass was this service where you paid like, I don't even know, some cheap amount, $10 a month, $20 a month, not 20, like $10 a month. And you got to see a movie every day at AMC. Now, AMC was like, okay, I don't know how y'all going to sustain yourselves, but whatever. And MoviePass was like, we're going to do this anyway. So I bought MoviePass and I went to the movies once a week, but you could go every single day, right? When I used to do that, I would bring pizza, sandwiches, slushies, anything into the movies instead of going to the concession stand. Because why, if I could just bring it in there myself? Granted, you're not supposed to bring stuff in there. So if I had to choose candy or popcorn, I would definitely go candy because first of all, the popcorn is the most expensive thing on the menu. Why? Don't know. And it'd be stale when I be there because I like to go to the movies at like 11.30 or 1 p.m. And the popcorn be stale at that time. Coffee cup or a thermos? I don't really drink hot coffee, but I would say a thermos instead of a coffee cup. And I say that because I love me a good Yeti. And I was actually just looking at um, Yeti. So I've talked about the Yeti cup before. It's kind of like a hydro flask. Like it's a very, very good insulated cup. And it's a very popular brand in Louisiana but I have a couple of yetis that I use yeti water bottles that I use when I'm working out and I absolutely love them they keep your water super cold I bought my daddy a yeti cooler for Christmas yeti 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 okay now they're very very expensive but I prefer a yeti thermos I would say that they actually have like the the cup version like a coffee cup thermos so that's what I would say I prefer that and the last one is Iced coffee or hot coffee? Iced coffee, 100%. Even if it's two degrees outside, iced coffee. Iced coffee. Iced coffee is a lifestyle. Iced coffee, I will marry iced coffee. Iced coffee runs through my veins. I mean, what are you drinking if you're not drinking iced coffee? Well, you guys, I hope you love that little fun segment that we just did. Thank you guys so much for listening. That's all that I have for you today. Make sure that you join us again next week for another episode of the Affirmations for Black Girls podcast. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you rate the podcast and leave a review. I love reading all of your reviews. They are so heartfelt, so nice, so kind. And follow us on Instagram at Affirmations of Black Girls. And we also have a Twitter. So follow us on Twitter at AFBG underscore podcast to get your daily inspiration tweets thank y'all so much this was affirmations for black girls
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.